You're listening to the Promised Church's Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Aaron. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thepromisechurch.com. All right. How we doing? Come on, how we doing? How many people are on the fast right now? Oh my good Lord. Are you aren't even strong enough to raise the hands? You're so weak from fasting. If you have not started, I encourage you to start now. Some people are like, oh, it's 21 days. Well, now it's seven. So if 21 was too long, good news for you. It is only seven days. So if you have not started, start right now. Uh, if you don't know what to fast, fast breakfast, fast breakfast and lunch, fast something. I got to tell you, every single time you fast, set yourself apart, consecrate yourself before the Lord, you will encounter him in a new way. Every single time. We've already been hearing testimonies about people who have seen breakthrough in their lives during this season. And I would encourage every single person, if you call the promised church your home, you should be fasting something. Amen. Every single person. So pray about it. Fast breakfast, fast brunch, fast snacking, fast food, fast something. Don't, don't just eat fast food. But fast something during these next seven days, and I promise you, you will encounter Jesus. Do this with me. Turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 8. We're just going to jump in this morning. As you're turning there, we're going to have the scriptures up on the screen. But Mark chapter 8, verse 22, says this. It says, they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. Over the past couple of years, we have seen God move powerfully here at the Promised Church. We have been praying and, and interceding that we would see a move of God, not just here in Woodland, but in this region, in Southwest Washington. And over the past number of months, even during COVID, we have seen the Spirit of God poured out upon this church in ways that we have been dreaming of praying for. It's been amazing to watch lives come in who've maybe never been in church before, radically encountering the presence of God, transformed, living their lives solely to Jesus, being a mouthpiece for him wherever they go. People who've been in church even their entire lives, who have gone to Bible college or who have read the Bible through and through and through, but never surrendered their life to the Lord. They are coming and surrendering everything before him and giving him their life, maybe for the first time, even though they've been in church their entire lives and to watch people, to watch our church begin to move into the presence of God, being able to experience an outpouring of the spirit, whether it's in worship, just in times like this morning or being able to see healings and God begin to heal people, God begin to restore marriages. Am I speaking to anybody here this morning that is thankful for what God has done? Are we awake? And being able to watch what God has done has been exciting. It's been, it's been moving. It's been encouraging. Like, I feel like we're going in the right direction. 
But every time I, I go before the Lord and I, I, I begin just to thank him and, and reflect and appreciate, I hear the Lord continue to tell me, but Aaron, you've only yet seen a glimpse of who I am. There is still so much more to me that you have never experienced. And our desire here at the Promised Church is to not just create a church that's comfortable for you. We want to create a place that you like to come to. And it's not just about systems, although I love systems. It's not just about programs, and I love great programs. We do church not for you, but to create a place for him. We do church that's not designed to make you feel comfortable, but it's designed to make him feel comfortable because where he resides, that's where I want to be. I want to be in a place where he is. And so church, my life is designed not to be worrying necessarily about what's happening around me, but to keep my eyes, just as Jeffrey said today, my eyes squarely focused upon him. So no matter what may come my way, I will not be moved because I'm staring at the eyes of Jesus. And here at the Promised Church, our desire is that we would continue to pursue God and ask for the more. Ask, hello. Amen. Amen. Everybody practice that. Our desire here at the Promised Church is that we would ask for more. Amen. All right. We'll get there. I want to create a place where God is comfortable. I want to create a place where we are not. Where we do not become familiar because it's in that place of comfort and familiarity with the presence of God. It's in that place of comfort where it becomes about our needs and rather than it being about him. It's in that place of familiarity where casual worship begins to set in and worship becomes about what I can get from it. Worship was never meant to be about you. It was only ever meant to be about him. And it's in that place of familiarity that I love about this passage because these people bring this blind man to Jesus and they're actually the ones begging Jesus to heal him. The blind man's actually not asking to be healed. It is the people bringing the blind man to Jesus saying, would you heal this man? And Jesus takes the blind man and he leads him out of the city. Could Jesus have healed the blind man in the city? Absolutely. Why does Jesus take the blind? Now you gotta remember a blind man, familiarity is very important because it's in that place of familiarity that he knows how to live his life. He knows it's five steps to the bathroom, it's two steps to the stairs, it's 10 steps to get to the, the, the fruit or the market. A blind man's familiarity is very important to him, but Jesus removes him out of the place of comfort to bring him outside of the city. Why is that important? Because it's in the place of comfort and familiarity where you will not experience the presence of God in your life well you will not see the breakthrough in your life because it's all about you and that place of comfort and familiarity is is a place that God never wants you to reside in in fact he looks looks at that place of familiarity and comfort to you and he says I can't come to you there unless you're willing to come out with me and oftentimes we stay in this place of familiarity where we've got to come into worship and someone's got to prime our pump to get excited. We've got to be reminded about the importance of worship. Someone's got to tell us, hey, don't forget to lift your hands today during worship. Somebody's, how do you know if you're familiar? Somebody's got to encourage you and remind you to read your Bible. The only time you spend time with the Lord is in your car between sips of coffee on your way to work. 
That's when you're in a place of familiarity. You're in a place of familiarity when somebody tells you there's more of God and you say, I don't think so. You're in a place of comfort when you feel uncomfortable by me talking about you feeling uncomfortable. Thank you. And that place of comfort is all about me, me, me. And Jesus comes and he takes the blind man and removes him out because he says, I can't bring you healing in the place of familiarity because you don't actually want it. You don't actually want it. The blind man couldn't even ask to be healed. The men around him had to beg for him to be healed. And then Jesus leads him outside of his place of comfort. And he spits a Holy Spirit loogie onto his eyes and lays his hands upon him. And this story, if you've been in church for any period of time, you've heard this story preached by a number of pastors who will use this as an illustrative way to excuse the fact that somebody did not get healed the first time. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Oh, they didn't get healed. Pray again. If Jesus prayed twice, we can pray twice. Let's pray again. If he prayed two times, we can at least pray three times. We use it, right? You've heard this, Scott. Like, this is normal. Like, this is a regular excuse that we use when we don't see God move miraculously. Could Jesus have healed the man the first time? Did Jesus forget to do his devotionals that morning and God took the day off and he's like, I don't know what happened. And Jesus spits in his eyes and he's like, oh my gosh, he didn't get healed. No. So is this a story about Jesus all of a sudden messing up the first time and needing to pray twice? Sickness bows every time at the name of Jesus. He didn't need to pray twice, so possibly there's something that he's trying to show us in the story aside from giving us an excuse to pray twice. And he asks the man the question, do you see anything? Reminds me when God asks Adam and Eve, where are you? Sometimes God asks a question, not for his benefit, but for yours. And he asks Do you see anything? Do you see anything? Now this blind man, you got to realize if you were blind, you saw black. If all of a sudden you saw men as trees, you would probably respond, yes. Yes, I can see. This is amazing. You got a picture. Close your eyes. That's black. That's what he saw. All of a sudden he saw men as trees. That's called sight. Oftentimes as Christians, we were blind in our city, in our place of comfort. Even prior to salvation, Jesus comes and he removes us from our blindness. He touches us. We get sight. We once were blind. Now we can see. And all of a sudden we realize we've got sight. We can see everything clearly now. The rain has come. We can see. But what we don't understand is we actually only see men as trees. And what oftentimes happens is we have a lot of Christians who have come out of a comfort place, who have been touched by the Lord, and they see men as trees, and they believe that that is what Jesus died on the cross for. They believe that that is sight. And what happens is is we fool ourselves into thinking That Jesus died on the cross to defeat sin, but yet we live in sin. 
We believe that it's okay and normal for a Christian to live in anxiety and depression. We believe it's normal for a Christian to live in fear. We believe it's normal for Christianity to be about you. In that place of seeing ministries, our vision becomes distorted and we begin to accept it as the new normal. Just as the Israelites, how long would it have taken them to go from uh, Egypt to promised land 11 days, 12 days, 11 days, 40 years, they stay in the wilderness. 40 years circling a mountain. 40 years, their life was but a couple of days journey to the promised land. And too often believers stay in this place of seeing ministries, not realizing that there's another touch from the Lord, but they will refuse. We will refuse to not humble ourselves to say, but God, I only see men as trees. Will you touch me again? Because I yet do not see clearly. I yet still have this issue. My marriage yet still looks this way. But oftentimes we accept it as normal and we stay put in a place we were never meant to stay. And I believe this story is a depiction of our lives. If we will allow Jesus to be there and ask us that question this morning, and he is saying to you, can you see anything? I know that you were once blind, and I know that now you can see. But tell me what you see, because it's possible there may be more. It's possible you only may, may see men as trees. Think about this guy for a moment. Every other person that Jesus had ever prayed for immediately got healed. Every single person. Every person that had a demon in him, immediately the demon left. Dead people got up. He must have been thinking in that moment, what will people think if I'm the first guy who wasn't healed when Jesus spit in his eyes? The first guy that didn't get healed when Jesus prayed for him. This is how many of us think in that moment. What will people think of me if I happen to say, I don't see clearly yet? What will people think of me if I admit that I may need more? That I may admit that I need another touch from the Lord? What will people think of me? Will they think that I have a problem? That blind man probably was like, maybe it's me. Well, no, Jesus isn't the issue. Maybe it's me. I must be the problem. I'm just not that. I'm just never going to see clear. My marriage is just never going to be great. My children are just always going to have this problem. I'm just always going to be in fear. I can't go out on the street and tell people about Jesus. I can't lay hands on the sick and watch them recover. I'm just always going to be an anxious person. I'm just going to live in fear. This is just who I am. And we accept it. And we never admit that there may actually be full freedom for us. And so we just accept it. This is just normal. And we respond to the same question that Jesus asked the man. And we say, yeah, yeah, I can see. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. And when Jesus lays his hands on him again, it says the man's sight was immediately restored. And he saw everything clearly. He saw everything clearly we need some christians in today's age that see everything clearly what we got right now is i have a, a positive 4.25 prescription basically if i don't wear contacts i'm blind my dad i believe is a plus seven 
he's literally legally blind. Like if he does not wear contacts, get out of the way. If I did not put my contacts in, in the morning or put glasses on and I started to drive, I would be playing bumper cars on the freeway. Like I can't, there was one time I was driving and one of my contacts fell out and I'm driving with one eye and I was like, I'm just going to see what happens if I close the other eye. I wanted to really, like, how hard would this be? It's bad. It's really bad. We've got a lot of Christians with bad prescription. Walk around without contacts on or glasses on or getting their eyes healed and they're going through life and what the devil does is he puts big pitfalls in front of you and you're going through your life and all of a sudden there's COVID and you fall in the hole and you're like, oh my gosh, God, the world's caving in. I got no peace. I'm full of fear. I'm full of anxiety. And it's time for the Lord to touch you again so you can see clearly. Going through life and all of a sudden the presidential election comes up and we got Republican hating Democrat, Democrat hating Republican, the church casting stones, discrediting, tearing down, casting out all these different, uh, uh, wait, we're, we're tearing people down and we call that faith, we call that standing for righteousness. The church is looking no different than the world. Let me say this, I didn't vote for the guy, but Biden is my president. Biden is my president. And whoever happens to be in that White House is my president. I will not criticize him and tear him down. I will pray for him and I will build him up. I may not agree with the policies he does. That's okay. I don't agree with all the policies that you guys would want either. But he is my president. And I will pray for him. The Bible says those who are put over you are put there by God. For your benefit. Is it possible? Biden is there for your benefit. Praise God. Hallelujah. Absolutely he is. It is time for the church to start acting like Jesus. Jesus died for the very ones that whipped him, that accused him and hung him on that cross. He died for them. And I believe that this, this analogy, this story reminds me a lot of when Jesus or the stories in the New Testament is like, I wanted to give you meat, but all you could handle was milk. You know what I'm talking about? Let me read this for you. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter five. It says, we have much to say to you. I have a lot I'd like to tell you, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand because you accept to stay in the place of seeing ministries. You allow yourself to stay in the place of comfort. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. We must prepare a vessel for the Lord to fill. The Lord spoke to me. He said, where you are wanting God to take you cannot happen by staying and doing what you've always done. This is what we do. We're like, God, I'm here. Just do what you want to do. James said, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. God is saying, you want me? Come to me. You want me to fill you? Create a vessel that I can fill. In Luke chapter 5, there's a story of an old cloth and a new cloth. He said, you want to uh, sew an old cloth and a new cloth together. Why? Because the old cloth is already stretched and shrunk and has changed. And if you did, they would just tear each other apart in the same way. You would not pour new wine into an old wine skin. 
Why? Because both the old wine skin and the new wine would be destroyed. The new wine is active. And if you want the new activity of the Holy Spirit in your life, you must present to Him a new wineskin so that He can fill it. But to create a new wineskin, have you ever seen what the process is like? It's, there's tension and change and alterations, and they've got to massage it and work the impurities out to prepare it to handle the new wine. You must go through the same process. You must say, and this is what we do. We're like, God, I'm here just coming Come and give me all of you. Come and give me your presence. Come, God, and give me the the next great outpouring of the Holy Spirit in my life. He's like, no. Not until you prepare a vessel that I can fill. This is what a lot of Christians do, especially in our type of cultures. They're like, oh, God, I'm here. I'm 